Pastor Barnes went to see his doctor for advice about his wife's snoring. The doctor asked, does her snoring really disturb you? <laughs> the pastor replied, does it disturb me? It disturbs the entire congregation. <laughs> oh, someone has said silence is golden. Uh, that may be true at times, but not the silence of Revelation chapter 8. Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 8. And as you're turning there, let me just take one moment and refresh your minds about our outline found in chapter 1 in verse 19. There we started with the things that John had already seen, the past tense. Uh, that pertains to the resurrected and glorified Christ. He was the one, Jesus, who holds the seven stars, that's the messengers to the churches, and the seven lampstands, referring to the churches themselves. And then the transition from the past to the present there were seven churches that existed in John's day to whom these messengers carried letters. Jesus is the one who is walking in the midst of those seven churches, evaluating them. Also, to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 was the promise that because you have kept my command to persevere, they kept the word of God, so God was going to keep them, and by way of extension to all churches, from the hour of trial that would come upon the whole earth. And finally, the third part of the outline is the future, and that's Revelation 4 onward. Chapter 4, we're transported to the throne room of God, and there God has a book in his right hand, the side of strength, and Jesus is the one in chapter 5 who comes and takes the book and begins to loose the seals. Uh, here in Revelation chapter 8, let me go ahead and read to you verses 1 through 5. Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Join me in prayer, please. Father, I thank you that we are promised, church aid saints, to be kept from the wrath of the tribulation. But as we think about the wrath of God being unfolded at this period of time, it's it's staggering what the wrath of God does throughout the tribulation period. But then we even think of eternal damnation, the ultimate wrath of God being poured out. So Lord, motivate us to be good witnesses to those who don't know you at this time. Those of us who have been delivered from the wrath to come through believing 
in the Son, whose finished work gives us eternal life. Open our eyes, Lord. May we have a depth of understanding because of the spirit of truth that dwells in each believer. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Verse one begins when he opened the seventh seal. It's Jesus, the one who is doing the opening. He is the lamb. And now we have the seventh seal open. Let me just give a a review, if you might. Our first seal we found back in chapter six, verses one and two. The rider there is on a white horse, uh, the personification of either the Antichrist or Antichrist, conquering without violence. You can think of a Cold War. Uh, Conflict short of exchanging blows there. The Antichrist makes a covenant with the nation of Israel and pretends to offer a peace. So that's the first seal. Then we have a fiery red horse with the second seal, Revelation 6, 3 through 4, and that is when peace is taken from the earth. Peace is taken from the earth. Recall Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, uh, pertaining to the tribulation, even the first part of the tribulation, a kingdom would rise against kingdom and nation against nation. And then we move to the third seal and the black horse in chapter 6, 5, and 6. And there we have famine and hunger. It follows, does it not? After war. That's the natural order. Fourth seal, a pale horse. There we have one-fourth of the earth's population killed. Then we also have warfare and wild beasts plaguing the lamb. The fifth seal, and we're going to address this one a bit later, but deals with the souls where under the altar. And then the last one we had studied, the sixth seal in chapter 6, 12 through 17, a severe earthquake occurs that affects both the heavens and the earth. And as we continue in verse 1, John reports there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. You have various um, interpretations on the silence here. Uh, Walter Scott writes, not a literal silence, but a brief cessation in judgment. And then you have Henry Barclay Sweet, a temporary suspension of the revelations granted to John. And then there is a more recent view that's uh, gaining momentum. The 30-minute silence in heaven shows that there are no women in heaven. Oh, um, by the way, uh, my wife and I do not subscribe uh, to that view, and I have her permission to tell you that. Now let me tell you what I really think is going on here. I believe this is a dramatic pause which reflects the severity of the judgment to come. What do we say? It's always quietest when? Before the storm. I think you got a literal 30-minute pause because heaven is ramping it up for the judgment that will be poured out after that. John next describes here in verse 2, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God. The article, the, it's the accusative plural here, tus, uh, is before the seven 
angels. It shows that it's a specific group of angels. Specific group of angels. Their posture, that of standing. I think that's significance because they're in the presence of God ready to be dispatched by the Lord. And even concerning Gabriel, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 19, he is described as the one who stands, see again the position of standing uh, in the presence of God. Why? Waiting for God to tell him what to do and then he would carry it out immediately. Thus is the case with these seven angels and their standing before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Uh, trumpets were used for special announcements throughout the scripture. Let me walk you through several of these. Number one, for the giving of the law. And that's the first Old Testament use there of the trumpet. Uh, Exodus chapter 19 in verse 13 and again down in verse 16. The blowing of the trumpet, the giving of the law. Also for ceremonial processions, uh, you recall when Joshua was to lead his warriors to conquer Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord. So that's what they would do. But you again, you have the seven trumpets. Then also from Numbers chapter 10, Trumpets were used for the assembling of people for war or to travel and for special feast. And then the one that I think is most significant for us today is what we find in Zephaniah chapter 1. Would you turn to Zephaniah chapter 1 and it's in association here with the day of the Lord. In our context, the day of the Lord refers to the tribulation period. Zephaniah chapter 1, picking it up in verse 14. And the connection, I believe, is from Revelation 8 with the seven trumpets going to Zephaniah with the great day of the Lord. The context fits. Verse 14, Zephaniah 1. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of, notice the terminology, of wrath. And what is the tribulation period? It's a time of wrath. We saw that in Revelation 6 in verse 17. It's a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. But observe in verse 16, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. Even those who think they are safe behind their large walls will not escape the judgment of the Lord. But again, the trumpet in conjunction with the text of Revelation chapter 8. So let's come back to Revelation chapter 8. And now in verse 3, it speaks about another angel. Uh, some commentators believe that the angel here is Christ because of the priestly work being done. John Walverd writes, 
the preponderance of opinion seems to favor regarding the angel as Christ in his work as a high priest. I'd like to give you the contrast here, but another, the word used in our text, because it speaks about another angel, is alas, another of the same kind. This is an angel, like the other seven, but distinct from them. Robert Thomas writes, careful observation of what the angel does reveals that the angel performs no mediatorial service in making the prayers completely acceptable. He only enforces the prayers. So, we have another angel. He's like the seven, but distinct from them. And our text continues in verse 3. Having a golden censer, that came and stood at the altar. So now there are two altars. I've talked about this before uh, from the Old Testament uh, tabernacle and temple structures. Uh, the first is the altar of burnt offering. Uh, we learn about that in Exodus chapter 27. And it refers to the animal sacrifices that would take place. It was out in the court in front of the tabernacle. And then you have, secondly, the altar of incense, Exodus chapter 30. It's located in the holy place, but just outside the holy of holies. I believe the altar of incense best fits the context here. And you'll see as we go through this, because it goes on to say in verse 3, and he was given what? Much incense. Now, I want to just take you to a word that kind of slips into our text regularly that could easily be overlooked. The word given. Notice it says, and he was given much incense. And, and by the way, incense, we'll see, is associated with the prayers of the saints back in chapter 5 in verse 8. Uh, let me just read that to you. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. But notice the connection, which are the prayers of the saints. So put that together. With that said, let's look at a word given. You know, if he's given much incense, who gives it to him? Fair question. And I believe God is probably the giver. Uh, this will be the seventh time that the word give occurs. Ditto me. It's a word used often uh, in the New Testament, 413 uh, New Testament uh, uses. But I want you just to see this and what is going on behind the scenes. I just want you to understand God is in control. So although it seems like all these judgments are being poured out and We'll see later that the Antichrist is just running roughshod over people and Satan is at work in unprecedented ways because he knows his time is short. God is still in control and when he needs to shut it all down, he'll do exactly that. You with me over here in chapter six, verse two, first seal judgment. And I looked and behold a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was what? given to him well keep in mind keep in mind that even 
during Jesus' 40 days of temptation, and this is from Luke chapter 4, Satan offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He says, these things have been given to me. It's a temporary giving, and it's not a total giving. When the Lord wants to set limits, parameters, he can, but it's only going to go for so long. But find it interesting that you have the word given here, and it keeps appearing, and yet there's no mention who gives it. Verse 4. And here's the second uh, seal judgment. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted. See the word granted? That's didomi, to give. To the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, that, and that people should kill one another. And there was, see again, given, same Greek verb, to him a great sword. Now down in chapter 6, verse 8. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Then 6.11, then a white robe was given to each of them. That's the tribulation saints that have been martyred. But notice it was given to them. And then over as well in chapter 7, verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted, see, it was given, to harm the earth and the sea. So I just wanted to show you this word given. And although it keeps appearing, there is someone who is in control that is permitting these things to take place. With that said, we have just read about, and he was given the angel much incense, and that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. The saints are praying, but with saints. And what are they asking God to do? Good questions. Glad you thought to ask them. Uh, go back with me to chapter 6, please. Chapter 6, remember with the fifth seal, judgment, verse 9. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? The plea, Lord, get them. How long do we have to wait? Then they're given a white robe showing their redeemed status. So the saints that are martyred in the tribulation are the ones being referred to here. They are the individuals who are crying out to God for vengeance. They want to be vindicated because their lives have been unjustly taken. And if you want an Old Testament passage to study that connects to this is Psalm 13 because the question that the psalmist keeps asking is, Lord, how long? That's exactly the plea. And for those of us in this world, as we observe so much injustice, we can also be asking, how long, 
O Lord. Now, back to our text, Revelation 8, verse 4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. I want you to know something. There will be a duration of time that you have to ask how long, but that time will end. What was being asked from the souls under the altar is now being answered through the seven trumpet judgments. Verse five starts to show us the intensity building. Then the angel took the censer. This is the golden censer of chapter eight in verse three. Just uh, look at that. Then another angel having a golden censer. Uh, the censer here, the golden censer is an implement, you can call it a vessel if you will, which incense was burned upon. It was used in Solomon's temple. That's back in 1 Kings 7 in verse 50 and 2 Kings 25 in verse 15. Then observe in verse five here that when the angel took the censer, he filled it with fire from the altar. You get the idea that judgment is coming, and yes, it is. Uh, spring forward to chapter nine of Revelation. And let me just give you a taste of what's coming. This is from the sixth angel. This is uh, beginning in verse 13 of Revelation nine. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had a trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound. You get the idea that they could be demons since they're bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill what? A third of mankind. So you see progressively the plea from those under the altar will be answered, be answered. Back in Revelation 8 and verse 5, the angel takes the censer, fills it with fire from the altar, and notice the where it is thrown to, and threw it to the earth. The first four trumpet judgments impact planet Earth. That's the direction of these judgments, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. I find it so interesting because not only do you have these things associated with the seventh seal judgment, but they are also associated with the seventh trumpet judgment and then the seven bowl judgments. Uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 11, please. Chapter 11, verse 19. This is the seventh trumpet judgment. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. But notice what accompanies these things. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake and great. And I'm saying if it's great, it's gotta be great. And great hail. And then as well, come over to chapter 16, Revelation 16 with the seventh and final judgment 
Seals, trumpet, bowls. Keep that in order. Seals, trumpets, bowls. 1618. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Okay. So you see that with the seventh seal judgment, you have the thunderings, the lightnings, the earthquake. You have the same thing with the seventh um, trumpet judgment, 11.19, and then the seventh bowl judgment in 16.18. Now that we've looked at our text, let me bring it all together for you with a main point, which is timeless. Not only will it pertain to those souls under the altar, but it also relates to you and me today. Here's the point. Prayerfully wait upon God to vindicate you. Let me say it again. Prayerfully wait upon God to vindicate you. God is just. In the book of Genesis, the question is asked, shall not the judge of the earth do what is right? He always does what is right. But God is patient, and he's long-suffering, and he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that is why his judgment often is stayed. That is why it is delayed, but it will come because our God is just and will accordingly mete out justice. To emphasize the timelessness of this principle we are looking at, turn with me to a parable of Jesus. Luke chapter 18. And as you're turning to Luke 18, let me read to you one more time Revelation 6.10 about the souls under the altar. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Jesus is about to speak a parable. The Greek word is parabole, literally to cast alongside of. A parable gives us a comparison. Simple story, and we're meant to derive a point from this that Jesus gives to the people. So there's, there's a teaching Jesus has given. He gives us a story to show us the point that he is making. Verse one, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Isn't that interesting? Now, in this context, it's not just a Matthew 7 of ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be open to you. In that context, Jesus is speaking about prayer and asking about needs and what you're trusting God for. The prayer here that is meant to be consistent is for justice. Someone has been wronged, and we're going to learn who that someone is, and comes to the judge continually for justice. The example, this is what we need to do before God. Like the souls under the altar. Here we go, verse 2. Saying, there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. Again, remember, when Jesus tells a parable, it's a story. 
that people could relate to. He's not endorsing. He's not saying, oh, this is a good thing. Of course not. That would contradict all of Scripture to give praise to a man who doesn't fear God nor regard man. The point is, this judge will be worn out and give in. Not that we wear God out, that he gives in, but the persistence of the request is something that God delights in. He wants us to keep coming back. Look at verse three. Now there was a widow in that city. So a widow, remember, she can't care for herself. Has no means of provision. If she's a widow, back in that day, you didn't have pensions. And uh, she could have been in a, a dire situation financially. So she has a need. So she came to him. And see the words there, she came the imperfect tense, continuous action in past time. In other words, she would come, then she would come back the next day, and she'd come back after that, and she'd come back. She wasn't going to give up. She was going to keep on coming. That's the nature of this woman saying, and here's her plea, get justice for me from my adversary. She had been wronged. And she's going to the judge. Remember, judges are to represent God. Uh, the name of God in the Old Testament, at least one of them is Elohim. That same term is used of human judges in the book of Exodus. Why? Because they are supposed to stand in for God. They are the human judges representing the judge, and that's why they needed to have character. Verse 4. And he would not for a while. The judge was unmoved by her pleas. But afterward, he said within himself, see, he's kind of communing within his own heart. He's thinking, he's musing, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming. See the idea? Daily, she, he, he knows she's coming back. He's going to look out in the, in the courtroom, so to speak, and he knows she's going to be back tomorrow and the day after and the day after that until she gets what she wants. And observe the words by her continual coming in the end of verse 5, she weary me. The term weary was used metaphorically in the first century as a boxing term. Someone who continually jabs. They just keep, they don't give you that knockout punch. They just keep jabbing you under the eye. And, and, and in essence, the judge feels like every day this lady is showing up and just pop, 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 right underneath the eye. And <laughs> he's getting tired of being poked. Then the Lord said, verse 6, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? See, God is going to hear. And ultimately, God will answer when you have been wronged and you're crying out for justice. Although it might be a long time, how long, O oh Lord, it will occur. Because God is true to his nature. This woman continually comes. Jesus is encouraging us like the souls under the altar to keep coming to God and saying, how long, Lord? Right? When you have received an injustice, 
when someone has wronged you, when they have hurt you, when, when they have done something dastardly to you, yes, you can ask the Lord to mete out justice because he is a just God and we are to do justly as well according to Micah 6, 8. And then to close it out, verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. In other words, when that judgment comes, it'll happen quickly. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? We're learning a lot about the wrath of God. We're going to see as we progress through the book of Revelation that the Antichrist and his emissaries are going to do dastardly things to the saints. And those that get martyred are going to be transported to the throne room of God. Yes, and they're going to be shepherded and comforted by him. But there is this plea of, Lord, how long? So what have we learned prayerfully, and may I encourage that word prayerfully. Don't take vengeance into your own hand. Romans chapter 12 says it belongs to God. Prayerfully wait upon God to vindicate you. May I encourage you? Be persistent in your prayers and give it to God and tell God that until this is done, you're going to just keep on coming back. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We live in a wicked world. Even as I pray around our globe, there are saints that are being persecuted. Others have been incarcerated for their faith, and yet others will be martyred. They'll become the ultimate witness for you. And even Jesus when he thought about the religious hypocrites that had slaughtered the prophets throughout the ages, knew that there would come a time of reckoning for all that blood that was shed. And as we have Abel's blood crying out from the ground, there is a lot of saints' blood that is crying out from the ground as well. So Lord, whether it's us personally or to pray on behalf of those who have received an injustice, May we be persistent. May we stay with you day and night and just commit it to you. And Lord, in our waiting and as we ask how long, may we know in our heart of hearts that faith will win a day because you will enact justice at the right time. Thank you for the things we have learned today and also about understanding even better the heart of our God. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.